Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. And welcome, internets, to another episode of Fan Fan Bros, the show where the fans are bros or something to that nature. Thank you for tuning in yet again to another episode. This is your host, DJ Benjamin. I still don't have an AKA yet. I have no superhero identity. It's just me. Alongside my boy, Chico Leo. That's me. Um, um, shit. Yeah, okay. And Matt Raz is also in the building tonight. All, AKA, AKA the Lon Chaney of podcasting. Oh, so that's what you're going with. No more Boy Wonder, no the Mask Curmudgeon. Uh, no, those are all still existing aliases. You had another one you hit me with this week, too. Uh, the misanthrope. The misanthrope. I like I, that I one. like the Lon Chaney of podcasts. Yeah, I like that, too. Yeah, so your, right, your so face just changes is so, what you're so, saying. So why push me into making more if we're good with that? I think you actually announced that on Lon Chaney's birthday, too. I just want to point out. Mm. I might be wrong about that, but I, th- I felt like there was something in the zeitgeist with Lon Chaney that day, so kind of worked for me. Very well yeah. done, Matt. Or as I should say, Lon Chaney. Mm. Of, of podcasting. Okay. All right. Anyway, also, fan bros, I got a couple of quick announcements for you to let you know we now have a Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at Fan Bros Show. At Fan Bros Show, you can follow us on Twitter, get all the updates. Actually, Chico Leo, who is new to Twitter, will be running this account mainly. So if you have anything to say to Chico Leo, you can hit him up at Fan Bros Show and, you know, he'll respond and let you know how he's feeling or anything. Right, Chico? That's right. That's right. I'll be running it. I just found that out when you guys did, but uh, we'll we'll see how that works out. Um, I'm not necessarily new to Twitter, um, but I would say that I've been uh, been holding back on Twitter. Let's put it that way. Ah, but now you're joining the ranks. I'm joining the ranks. Of fan bros. Right. Of of Twitter, of the Twitterati, unlike the, the ranks of drivers. Oh, unlike the ranks of drivers. Yeah. Fan bros and fan girls out there, we we still haven't decided on a name for the women yet. Um, you can tweet Chico at Fan Bros Show if you have an opinion on that subject. But as Chico says, he's not a driver. I've never driven a car. I, I drove a car like with my mother when I was like fourteen down in like uh, the docks of Brooklyn for about you know thirty seconds. That was like an aborted my mother teaching me to drive when I was a teenager. But, yeah, no, I've never driven a so car. more than 30 seconds, you've never driven a car? No. And well, I'm terrible at driving games, actually. I was, was just like, about to ask you. I had a, a date that involved playing Grand <laughs> Theft Auto, and I knew the date was not going well when I couldn't get in the car. Like, I literally couldn't get in the car. And like, Wait, you know, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, hold on, like hold on, a girl on, invited me to her house to play Grand on, Theft Auto. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, on the video game yeah. itself, you couldn't even... Right. Push the button on your right. controller to get you and, in the car. And, and, I mean, I didn't have – this was, like, a long – this was, like, on the PS2 a long time ago. <laughs> oh, so this he, isn't the one with the, the in-game dating, though. No. No, no. This <laughs> okay. was a real date in the real world or the in-date. I know there's one Nico, of them where you can it's have – your cousin Rome. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to play darts. No, I've actually played that one. That's that's the most recent one. Is so it you Nico, managed to Nico drive Bellic, in that one. the human trafficker? Uh, yeah, no, I've played that one. But I can't, like, do a mission – Without having to steal like multiple cars. First of mm. all, I just drive at full speed, 
and uh, I de- you know, in the game, and I definitely <laughs> fuck up every car I've ever had. Like, I didn't even know there were people who have, like, favorite cars and they keep their car throughout the game and they get it fixed up and stuff like that. No, I am I mean, literally, I take the game right, very – literally, real, real I'm Grand off. Theft Auto and I am definitely fucking up the car and getting out. <laughs> the car explodes. I get out. I steal a Another new car. One. Yeah, they absolutely. I mean, my general feeling is since I saw Star Wars and I became familiar with the Millennium Falcon or the X-Wing fighter, I'm not driving anything unless there's an astromech, an R2 unit in the back. Wow. All right, so that was my <laughs> – I had a couple of reasons why you didn't have a car, Chico, because I've been thinking about this all week. And so I came up with that you have a working replica of the transponder in your house. Um, you know, I wish that I had, I wish that, uh, no, I, I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, we had the subway and the, we have buses. The rumor is also that you won an invisible jet from Princess Diana and a messy divorce. Yeah. Well, I mean that I can't, if we're going to get uh, into my messy divorce with the princess of Themyscira, I mean, that's a whole episode on its own. <laughs> let me tell you. It got pretty good. Uh, yeah. I, I heard for eight to 12 weeks of the year, you're shuttled, you're shuttled around by snow dogs from the feature <laughs> film, snow dogs. Yo, that's a good movie. Wait, is oh no, I'm thinking of Eight Below. Eight Below is the one where they leave the dogs in Alaska over mm. over the winter, chained up, and the dogs have to survive. I've never seen uh, I never seen that one. It, uh, it, it, well, actually, I don't know if we can talk about animal movies for a minute, but I saw in real life today the most amazing feat I've ever witnessed by <laughs> by a dog We're that, not did, sure. that didn't involve peanut butter. <laughs> okay. Um, I saw a dog, uh, a bulldog skateboarding by itself in real life not, or on not, the not internet not a fucking youtube commercial in real life <laughs> where, where was this 106th and central park west wow uh no owner no th- there was an owner and and i had two questions first of all what's the dog named cartman secondly <laughs> why is this guy not exploiting the shit out of this fucking dog get it make it the next Airbud. fucking being age. i would sell five dollar pictures of this dog hmm. and what was well, he doing with the dog just Watching uh, the street? I think I think he was like in like in the attention of like a lot of like people were yelling down from their window. Like, How did you teach him to do that? <laughs> See, I feel like he should be in like the Westminster Dog Show or whatever, like doing that. You know, they need to update these dog shows. He, right? He, he was pretty modest. Years. He was like, "Oh, he's just learning." I was like, "No, that dog fucking skateboarded." I saw that, <laughs> and then it talked. What did it say? Uh, I don't want to discuss that here. It See, was I private. feel like a dog skateboarding. I mean, they have a lower center of gravity. So at the end of the day, so I mean, I feel you're, like you're kind you know, of not that impressed. You're not well, impressed. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, versus now, if you'd seen a giraffe skateboarding, that would be impressive. <laughs> Speaking of impressive, what did you think of last night's, or for fanbros listening to this show, this week's, or actually whenever you listen to it, what do you think of Game of Thrones that happened this week? So I, I actually was slightly disappointed, but that's only not even a cut on, on the show. It's I have, you know, these very high expectations. You know, I shut off my phone. I shut off the lights. You know, I'm re- when I watch Game of Thrones, you know, that's what I'm doing. And, um, you know, I felt like it was the second hour of what should have been a two-hour premiere. You know, they're just getting us caught up with the various characters, checking in with the people they didn't check in with last week. So I felt like things didn't move forward as much. You know, we just saw there are so many characters on the show at this point that we just get like two minutes here, two minutes there, like two minutes in King's Landing, two minutes beyond the wall, two minutes at Harrenhal, two minutes in, you know, the River Run. 
But we got to see some great stuff. I was really into the um, the sword fight with uh, Jamie Lannister and yes. Brienne. Yep. Um, I like that we met the uh, what is that the the Brothers Without Borders. The Brothers, with, yeah, the Brothers Without Borders. Yeah. I think is their so name. we had heard about them all last season, and I like that we got to meet them. I didn't know that we'd heard about them. Yeah, we heard about when they were torturing everyone at yep. Harren Hall back when they were when when the mountain mm-hmm. was coming out and pulling people out one by yeah. one, and they would put the rats in them. Yeah. They were asking them about the Brothers Without Borders. Oh. Who were like rebelling? They're a whole other rebellion that's going on against the, you know, the at least the Lannisters. I don't know yeah, if they're rebelling I'm, against the actual king, but they were they're rebelling in that land. They seem to be rebelling against everyone because they were right. saying that everyone wants to burn Westeros and we want to save it. Right. So right. Think, exactly. Yeah. Um. So they they had been mentioned. Um. I was glad we got to see the Hound again. Uh. Last we saw him, he had just sort of taken off after the Battle of Blackwater. Um, And, uh, you know, there's some nice doubling going on where they, uh, you know, we got to see the sword fight with Arya. Well, a little sword fight with Arya and the brother without border dude. And then the sword fight with, with, you know. And I like like the editing on the show when they cut from... You know, have you heard anything from right, Theon? And Theon, then they and then they Theon. cut to Theon, and you see what happened with Theon. And I gotta say, Theon is like, you know, I guess you could say he's a villain, but he's pretty. Uh, his backstory, I, you know, you feel bad. Yeah, for him. it's like making a, him into a victim now. Yeah, yeah. I feel. I have a friend who calls him the Charlie Brown of Westeros, and I think there's some truth in that. Theon's had a really rough life. He's like, had a rough life, and 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 a pretty unfair life. And I think that's another thing you're seeing in the show too. Is you're seeing like how Theon and how Jon Snow don't exactly fit into the family oh, absolutely. that you thought they did. You know, right. it was, it's not like, because when the show first started, I thought all the brothers were cool and it was right. all a tight-knit group. But now you're seeing, especially with Jon Snow being the, you know, bastard child, that his mom, even right. his own mom couldn't stand him. And then Theon is just, everybody hates he Theon. Did, Theon didn't even get a wolf. Like, when the kids yeah. got wolves, like, <laughs> yeah. Jon Snow got, like, the albino wolf. Yeah. But, like, Theon didn't even get a and wolf. And the thing is, I didn't, I didn't get all that when I first saw the right. very first episode. And now it's all, as they're building into it, you're seeing more of it. There's there's a lot there that you pick up on a rewatch. Um I don't know if I don't know if you realize this, but the dude who's with Daenerys, Jorah Mormont, yep. his father is actually the leader yep. of the dude on the wall. wall. Yeah, I was talking to someone who didn't realize. I that. didn't notice. Like that yep. dude gave gave the sword that he gave to Jon Snow. He gave Jon Snow his sword. Mm-hmm. It was because he couldn't give it to his son, who's oh, Jorah Mormont. Wow. And Jorah Mormont like disgraced himself because he was actually selling slaves. Um, and Ned Stark banished him because slavery is illegal in Ned Stark's lands. Yep. But, uh, you know, other than Joffrey, there are a lot of villains, but a lot of them, even the Queen, you can sort of understand. The show does a real, and the books do a really good job of putting you in the shoes of these people who do terrible things but they, you know you can actually get behind their eyes and see why they are why they are the way they are except for joffrey i mean he's just a bitch who needs to get killed yeah i don't I, but he, even joffrey i really loved his scenes this week with his new queen because right. you see how she's manipulating oh him. yeah she's playing him and then you see how joffrey is really just an evil evil bastard and maybe yeah. not even evil but just sick and twisted yeah like i don't even think of him as evil just kind of like just needs well, a hug he's spoiled yeah and he's and there's obviously some sense that because he's the product of incest that you know not not all the not all the genes are it's, lining it's up not all correctly. right there for joffrey yeah, yeah no it's not um and we also met um 
that queen that you're talking about, her grandmother, who's, who's played by Diana Rigg. I didn't know who the actress was, yeah. but she killed it. So she was in, did you ever see the James Bond movie where he gets married? It's uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service mm, with George no. Lazenby. I've heard that's, that's one actually of the worst ones. That's, no, it's a, good one, it's a good Bond movie, although that he was the only Bond for that one movie. Yep. So she plays the woman that you know Bond marries, and she's also the female in The Avengers not the comic book Good Avengers, one. but the British John Steed and Emma Peel Avengers, which in the late 60s was after the Beatles was the biggest British export to America culturally. Um, but uh, Lon Chaney over there doesn't uh, doesn't watch Game of Thrones. And uh, thought you were going to tell us why. Yes, Mr. Raz. Oh, sorry. They're making me read something. Sorry. sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. We're doing two uh, things at once over here. All right. All right. Well, that didn't happen. All yep. right. So, uh, what? So, you were going to say why, why you don't watch Game of Thrones. Well, can you rehash wh- what you said last week about, like, Game of Thrones is the perfect show for you because, you know, you, you read all these different source material before that? Well, I actually didn't read the books. Like, well, I'm choosing to not well, read not the books. Not specifically Game of Thrones, though, but I guess different Dungeons things. and Dragons. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Dragonlands. Yeah, the, all, all of that stuff that I that, that I grew up with. But the source material for, for Game of Thrones is more like British history. I mean, it's like it's based on, like, the Hundred Years' War. And, he, you know, obviously there's some magic in there. But it's very dense in the sense of, like, there are, like, 40 cast members and they're all related to each other. There's different families, and people have different relationships. It does require, like, you can, you know, sort of flit around the internet while you're watching, you know, some shows. Like, this is a show you gotta sort of be there and and be present. And I'm not I'm not saying that like some. It's just it requires like a full, you know, you you know they'll they'll make um, there are lines that you think are just a throwaway line, but it's you know they're explaining how two other characters that aren't on the screen know each other, and um, you know it definitely is the kind of show where you can pick up a lot from a rewatch. Yeah. Um, so basically, as soon as I hear dragons, I don't give a fuck right. <laughs> all right. about, about the show at all. Like right. so, any show with dragons, magic. So what, what about fucking, enter, enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee? Oh. That, well, okay. <laughs> oh, see, so he caught you there. They, yeah, but it doesn't have dragons in it. It has dragon in the title. Right. True. Well, that's why Game of Thrones, that's why I almost made the mistake of watching it. And I saw a trailer, and I was like, oh, there's this kind of fucking bullshit. Things so are like, what is it about dragons that only, turns you there's off? There's only three dragons. It's, it's not just dragons. It's Magic. Any fucking fan. My suspension of disbelief can only go so far. When these these more supernatural elements come into play... I'm immediately not fucking with it. So you've never seen the Lord of the Rings? No. Wow. P- point of pride. Wow. What, now what about what about uh, <laughs> those are really good movies? I, those I, are good I, movies I believe and good it. books. Now what about when you're watching 24 and Jack Bauer fires his gun 56 <laughs> times, even though that gun can only hold 12 bullets? That that doesn't affect your suspension of disbelief. Or when he uh, steals the president right. from the president's motorcade. Or if he gets shot in like the fifth episode and still manages to be a superhero for 19 more episodes. Yeah. No, no. Or that he never goes to the bathroom or drinks coffee. No, me- all that menacing cougar attacks, none of that is a <laughs> right, concern. Yeah. These things are still rooted in reality. I've never seen a fucking, whatever, Komodo drag. I mean, that's a real thing, actually. Right, Komodo so, dragons I'm gonna, really I'm going to come up with a better example. And allig- alligators <laughs> are essentially dragons. They're prehistoric uh, lizards that, you know, there's, I mean, I mean I don't alligators want- grow to like 24, 25 feet. The yeah. dragons in Game of Thrones are only, you know... Uh, 
I don't know, what are they, Rottweiler sized at this point? Yeah, pretty small. Yeah, yep. I mean... Um, if they could skateboard, we could talk about it. Right, all right. So, I mean, but you're not dismissing. I mean, if dogs can skateboard and Komodo dragons can... Uh... I, I saw that with my own two fucking eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you so wouldn't skateboarding believe skateboarding dogs, but flying uh, dragons, no. Uh, no, a- anything in the fantasy genre, I will not. Uh, sci-fi. Sci-fi that, that works could, That you? could happen, because that's the future or an alternate reality. Well, speaking of sci-fi, let me talk about a current comic book that I'm reading this week. The Age of Ultron. I don't know how many of the fan bros and fangirls out there are reading Age of Ultron, but it's an eight-issue limited series taking place over the Marvel Universe right now. And in it, Ultron, the robot, yep, no, has come back well. and basically destroyed the world. And the series started off with Ultron having taken over the world and no explanation as to why he took over the world or how he took over the world and how all the superheroes have been defeated. And it's been written by Brian Michael Bendis and drawn by... Um, Hitch. I can't Brian remember. Brian Hitch. Brian, Brian Hitch. Is it Brian Hitch? Yeah, yeah Brian Hitch. So, yeah. yeah. He's an X an X-Men X- guy. Like he done he X-Men. Yeah, yeah. He done some Ultimates work. Yeah. yeah a bunch yeah. of stuff. He's an excellent artist. And Brian Michael Bendis is usually a good writer. But I have to say four issues in, and this shit is absolutely terrible. It's drawn out for no good reason. The four issues feel like it could be two issues. There's nothing really happened so far. The superheroes have been beaten down by Ultron. They've decided to form a plan and go to the Savage Land because Nick Fury says that that's how they'll beat him. But it took them four issues to get to the Savage Land. Right. Still nothing has happened. She-Hulk got killed on the latest issue, and I really didn't even blink. Um, I think someone else did, too. Yeah, Taskmaster got punched through by the Hulk. It's just terrible. Who's, who's Taskmaster? Task- they, they used to be like a wrestler in 80s WWE. No, I think Taskmaster came really was? Before, I think the comic yeah. book character came before I think so. the wrestler. Oh, well, the oh. comic book character Taskmaster is a like, character. Like, like Hulk and Hulk Hogan. Right. Yes. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, no, Taskmaster's the dude who he can mimic. Any, he's just got to see you do something once, and he can mimic your power or your any, skill yep, or, or your, your skill or whatever. But that didn't save him when the Incredible Hulk punched right through him in right. this Right, yeah, I would assume Yeah, the, you know, it wasn't much you can learn from that one. Now, is Ultron still the Vision's brother or, or some some sort of their, are they Division's related? Father or, or is, some is that way. what it is? Yeah, like he the Vision was like an early version of Ultron or a later version. Right. I think I think Ultron usually first him as a son, and in fact, in the third and fourth issue, the Vision does show up. He's been he's being used by Ultron to communicate with the heroes because Ultron is attacking them from the future somehow. But as with most of the rest of the stuff in this series it looks cool but it just hasn't gone anywhere i'm holding out that in the next four issues something happens because there's supposed to be this big giant reveal at the end of it in the eighth issue where only three people at marvel so far know the secret of what's gonna happen that's how big it is but so far it just meh. see i want to see ultron take on voltron you know like that the, these company uh you know the fact that if you, brian michael bendis wrote it it would go on for eight issues and in the eighth issue voltron would cut See, Ultron down in half, like whap, whap, whap. I feel like they're just doing these things to fill up a, a trade paperback, yeah, yeah. and they have a story, and they're not writing it, or they're not doing it for how long the story should be. They're doing it because they have this many pages, and if they do an eight-issue one, they can sell it for nineteen ninety-five, and if they have a six-issue one, they can sell it for fourteen ninety-five, and it doesn't really matter, you know, how uh, how long the, the the story should be. And that was a problem that I had with um, with The Walking Dead. Uh, I know we said we weren't going to bring up The Walking Dead again, but I, I have uh, I have one point, one Walking Dead point, and that is this. They're making a movie about Nina Simone, the uh, the great jazz blues. I don't even – I mean, she sort of defied all the genres. Um, but Zoe Saldana, 
who a lot of people will know as Colombiana. Mm. Yeah, she's going to be playing Nina Simone, and I think that's horrendous casting. And I just want to say, I don't know her name, but I think the actress who played Michonne wow. on The Walking Dead, I think she would make an amazing, perfect, amazing Nina Simone. She looks like her. Yeah, she has the attitude. Like Nina Simone is a tough was a, was a tough woman. grumpy, you know, like cranky. To put it nicely. She, 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 you know, but she, well, she was an artist and yes, a, one and of a the successful greatest. one. Um, all right, we're not going to talk about The Walking Dead anymore. But actually, but no, that that does bring up a good point that we need to talk about The Walking Dead. Because this week I got an article from the Mass Curmudgeon Mm-mm. where someone... Uh, not, not all white people are the same. Chris sent you that article. Oh, sorry. Sorry. True indeed. I do uh. get y'all confused. But um, <laughs> well, I was sent an article this week where uh, the writer of the article was talking about how race in The Walking Dead and how poorly it's been represented on the show. And how not just race, but um, sex too. And how all the people of color... And female characters on the show are relegated to the background. See, now I read that article, and and I thought that there were some good points, but I didn't think all the points were. Yeah, good. I didn't either. I thought actually a lot of the stuff they were saying about Tyrese and Sasha, and Tyrese specifically, were sort of echoing the same problems that I had, where I had felt like their arc, the Tyrese arc, was sort of very unmotivated, and he just sort of went from here to there. And the person who wrote the article was definitely wanted Tyrese to be more proactive um, and felt that he wasn't being proactive or he was made to be reactive, rather, um, because he was a black man. I'm not necessarily going to argue that. All the points on T-Dog are completely on on point. That guy was a magical (laughs) Negro, and it bothered me. The worst thing about T-Dog is he wasn't He didn't even even have a name. Like, that's outrageous. That that part I can deal with. Some people just might be T-Dog. You know? Yeah, but I feel like you know he he gave his life for that white woman. That was my she problem. She should have known his name. name. You this know? is true. Like, and my problem with T Dog wasn't that he was a magical Negro. Even it was that suddenly out of nowhere he became the magical right, Negro. Right. Like through the whole show, T Dog just doing T Dog. Right. And then suddenly it's like God has told me to save this white woman. And so let me do this but, real quick. But I did think in that article they do shit a little bit on on Rick. And yes. I, you know, Rick was a cop. Like yes. if you think about when you're in a situation, he obviously had leadership skills. He actually had he was the leader of his family, you know, like he was the head of his family. I think the fact that they're following Rick is not racist. No, I don't think so either. You know, I don't think they're following Rick because he's a white man. I think they're following Rick because He's uh, a cop and a father, and obviously a legitimate. They didn't fought. There were other white guys that they were. And he had following. a gun too. Yeah. Well, everyone has a gun. By at, yeah, at but some point. at the first part, you know, Rick had the gun. Yeah. Um. I so I felt that there were several really good points on the article. I thought it kind of went too far. Yeah. In then trying to say that oh well, Rick like Rick Rick was not a white supremacist. I also had a really big issue on the fact that Atlanta is the city with the largest black uh, middle class in America. And in that first episode, when they're in Atlanta, like I counted like three black zombies. And I still don't see that many black zombies on the show. And they are in the hinterlands. You know, they're out in the middle of nowhere. And so maybe it makes sense that a lot of the zombies are white. But you would think that a lot of the zombies around the prison, it would be at least 50-50. Oh, wait a minute. No, but I'm saying that it would at least be 50-50. And again, there's Why no, has it got to be black people no, in the prison? There's no, and it, I'm assuming in Georgia that the prisons are, you know. Filled with blacks. I'm, I'm assuming that you don't get the same, that if you're a black guy in prison, I mean in Georgia, and you go on trial, you don't necessarily get the same, uh, you know, um, uh, um, uh, 
you know, presumed innocence as I as just a figured white all the black zombies were off chasing fried chicken. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm not I'm not even going to touch that. I do feel that the show does not reflect the population of Georgia and Atlanta in particular um, with in terms of the uh, the nationality of the zombies or the ethnicity of the zombies uh, regarding zombies. You know how ghosts are people with unfinished business? Yes. So, or dead people? Yeah. So, what about zombies? Like, do you feel like, you know, the jails and all that? Well, would there be a point where there would be zombie jailers and and them putting other zombies there? Well, if so, would their previous, you know, feelings about race and and you know, right, what's what's right? Well, in the second original George Romero movie, that topic was trying to cover because the zombies kept going back to the mall. Right. Because it was said that that's what they did all day in real life. So when they were dead, they just went back to the mall. But Matt, or the Master Mudgeon, or Lon Chaney, whichever one it is, how did you feel about the article and the race and the Walking Dead as you do watch the show? And you also Mm. are of the white race. So... don't watch the show. Oh well, that I did. Helps. I did watch the finale. Yeah, I thought you week. watched it. Yeah, uh, and I didn't read the article. Oh damn! So, <laughs> so you're <laughs> not going to comment much on that. <laughs> well, anyway, I, I just think that zombies, man. Like, I feel like the undead should be one in heart. Like, it should be post race at that point. Mm, true indeed. I, I would generally agree with that. I mean, I feel like that. That you know, there are many ways you can divide people. And I feel like once you're dead, the major dividing line is between people who are still alive and people who aren't. Like, like, do you think that they're still living in somewhat, like, segregated communities once there's um, – you know, I mean, they're no. pretty much going wherever the yeah, brands absolutely. are. Yeah. Although they do herd. Like, they do travel in herds. So do the white zombies travel with their own no, herd? No, no, I don't, I don't think no, so. I don't think no. so. I, think I do so. think, though, that on the show, like, I don't know what the population of Georgia is, like, breaking breaking it down or whatever. There's a lot I, of black people there. Right. I, I just really feel like you, you're you lucky if, like, 10% of the zombies on the show are black, if that. Yeah. And I know there's a huge Latin Latino community in Georgia. Now, once you start decomposing, it becomes, you know, it's much easier to separate. <laughs> could, you know. could enough of your flesh fall off that you could pass yes. for a different race? Yes, absolutely. So that's where I was going with that. Absolutely. I just I, think zombies are post-racial. Like yes, I think we I, could I all. I think zombies are post-racial, but I think it says something about the show in that maybe you should set it in Vancouver if you're not going to have a lot of black zombies. <laughs> you know, now they needed to be in Georgia because the CDC is there, the Center for yep. Disease Control, and that was a major plot point. In my opinion, that went nowhere in the first season. <laughs> but, um, you know, I noticed that, and it took me out of it. Like, like, see, I can accept dragons if you tell me there's dragons. But if you're going to set a zombie thing in the real world, then it needs to reflect the world that I live but in. In the like... world I live in, there's black people and there's white people, and so there's going to be black zombies and white zombies, not just white zombies. And it, it shocks me that, like, I didn't read that anywhere. No one no one picked up on that. No one commented on that. No one in the editing room was like, hey, all these zombies are white. Like, in their world, everyone is white, I guess. I've, I've, I've actually found that, though, in production a lot, I feel like. Yes. They do. I mean, a lot of the people that are creating, yes. a lot of the media we're consuming do kind of live in a world where it's true. It's all white. You know, since we're talking about race and sex and stuff, I wanted to talk about this video game that I've been playing. Bioshock Infinite. Oh, so you've been playing it. Did you get Reggie's copy? No, I actually went out last week and spent the money on it. I did not want to, but I kept hearing all the great reviews, and I know that the fan bros wanted to know what we thought of the game. Yeah, tell us what you think. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. It's easily in the top five games of the year. 
Well, I mean, the year is just starting right now, but I can see it making even top one, number one, number two, number three, whatever you want to call it. I'm really looking forward to The Last of Us, which is the... Definitely. I'm looking forward to that, too. But Bioshock is one of the best games I've ever played because it handles race and the story smoothly. Like, everything is going along smoothly. Uh, For those who don't know, Bioshock is a first-person shooter. It follows the character of Booker DeWitt who's sent to a floating city of Columbia to rescue this young girl, Elizabeth, and take her away from Columbia. But Booker's never been to the floating city before, so when he gets there, you find out the floating city is a floating city because basically it's run by white people, and they are very intent on keeping Columbia pure. So they seceded from the United States and took their floating city off into the sky so that they could have this pure vision of a world. And the racial politics are up front. Oh, all this is in the game. The first thing that you're asked to do in the game is as a well the first constant choice you have is you come upon a play where a white man and a black woman are being harassed because they were dating or whatever right so your first choice is to either throw a rock at the play people or the daters and so from then the game you i chose to throw the people at the play people and free the people who were dating because i didn't want to see them beat up because they were having an interracial relationship and for another day, the game just keeps going with the race. Like, it doesn't stop. It's throughout the whole storyline. But beyond that, the game is just excellent because the storyline of you, Booker, trying to save Elizabeth, you start really relating to Elizabeth, and they really make her into a real person where you really start. Because Booker doesn't have the best intentions to start the game. And is, is Booker a black guy or No, a no, guy? He's, a, he's a white guy, but he's been through things before. Like, right. he's um, taken place. The game takes place in 1912, so it uses historical things, even though it's got a lot of, like, Steampunk. Uh, yeah, steampunk, yeah. but alternate reality, you know, with flying cities, obviously, yeah, yeah. and whatnot. But it uses a lot of historical things. So Booker was involved in, like, the extermination of the Native Americans. Right. And he also might have been in the Boxer Rebellion. Right. Because you don't really don't know much about Booker, but things are revealed to you as the story goes on, and you realize that he's not that great a person, and that his motives for rescuing Elizabeth are really just about the money. Right. But as the story goes on, you start to grow fond of Elizabeth. You realize her plight. And so Booker starts to change. Well, you know, Han Solo, you know, just gets involved with the rebellion originally for money. And then, you know, by the end of it, he's General Solo and he's getting, you know, medallions hung around his neck that Chewbacca doesn't get. And, uh, you know, (laughs) that's a whole other. uh, And later with the princess. Right. Exactly. Um, Well, yeah, Booker is definitely in the Han Solo roguish type. You know, kill for fun, whatever he has to do to get through the day. Right. But then it, as the story progresses, I say, and you realize that the people of Colombia aren't up to the best thing. And you see race, you know, and how racism and whatnot and classism is used in the game. Right. And Booker starts to change and grow from that. Well, you know, it's interesting because a lot of stuff, no matter how dystopic the future, there really is this assumption that at a certain point everything is post-racial. Not necessarily post-class, but definitely post-racial. Um, in in most of the futures that we encounter, either in video games or in uh, movies or TV shows, depending on the future. I actually just saw Prometheus this weekend. Oh, and uh, what did you think of it? So, you know, I, I thought the trailers looked terrible when it first came out. And then everyone saw it and said it was terrible. So I had very low expectations. So I actually really liked it because my expectations were low. And there were a lot of shout-outs and call-outs in it to the original Aliens yep. movie, Alien and Aliens, and maybe a little bit of Alien and, 3. 
And I happen the first two Alien movies are absolutely two of my all-time favorite Easily. movies. I've seen them both like more than 20 or 30 times each. Like that's not an exaggeration. I've seen the second one at least 20 yeah. times, yeah. So, I, you know, there's a lot of call-outs to it. I did feel like not a lot happens. Like after it was over, I did feel like not a lot happens. But again, this gets back to a previous conversation we had about mythology. It's all about the mythology of the Alien movies um, with – you know these. Uh, you know, like the the getting into who is the who was that starship pilot, the space yeah. jockey, exactly, and how to who set the, uh, the you know the 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 transponder saying go get out of here, get out of here. This is a really so the fact that they answered those questions um, and that they kept uh, there was a lot of a lot of stuff that sort of felt like it was from that universe. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a a conversation on Prometheus before they land on at the planet that becomes known as Acheron. And it literally is shot and looks exactly like the conversation that they have in Aliens, the second one, yep. right before they land on LV-426. Which, which, like, those things were cool to me, but then the problem is, okay, like, Prometheus doesn't really match up with the Aliens either because that's not the same planet from Alien or with the same... So what... Well, no, it's the same planet as Alien, not Aliens. I thought the numbers on the planets weren't even no, exact same. No, well, LV-426 yes. is the name of the planet in Aliens. Yeah. this was like LV-413 or 213 or something But like that. in Alien... In Alien, it's, they actually refer to it, I think, as Acheron or Acheron. I mean, okay. you can check that on the internet. So, all right, so maybe it does match up. So maybe there aren't two crash space jockey No, ships. that I have definitely thought was the same. I was definitely... That was uh, okay, the same. Okay, well, my... My problems with Prometheus weren't really of that nature. I mean, I liked seeing, you know, the space jockey, saw where he come from, et cetera, right. et cetera. My problems with Prometheus were once again with, and I don't want to go, we've had a lot of racial talk on this episode already, but I just had a problem with there being a albino white god as the creator of, you know, right. mankind. Yeah, it, absolutely. It yeah. just, you know, it just was a little, it was like, a, it was really subtle. Well, it's interesting because I think science says that humanity comes out of Africa. I mean, so obviously. So the, fir the first people were obviously, like, Everybody was black at one point, yes. and then at some point, I guess they went and got in some shade or something like that for a few generations. They went into caves. Something happened. <laughs> but the general idea is 5,000 people walked out of Africa, yep. and that's how that those people became the, the other rest, races. Yeah. And then you, the people who stayed in Africa, well, they never changed. They were black in the beginning, and they're black today. <laughs> but that's no that that's actually a very good point, and I have to say that didn't occur to me. I thought you were going to go in a whole different direction. And I was going to say, well, the captain was black. <laughs> oh, you um, mean that there weren't? <laughs> you know, well, yeah, exactly. I was going to say, hey, I mean, I did feel like Idj that could have been anybody. I thought it was a wasted opportunity for yeah. Idris and once Elba. again. The black person doesn't survive to the end in a science fiction movie, but I have to well, be happy. No, only one person survives in the movie. They True killed indeed. ten people, and <laughs> nine indeed. of them were white. I mean, so, I want, and he know. didn't die first. No, and, and I really had expected him the to one die first. Noble death. He True. actually, and he took an Asian guy and a white guy with him. He gave him the opportunity of leaving. He takes his two pilots <laughs> with him, and he says, "You can get off now." Yeah. And they actually go with him. Yeah. But um, in terms of that, and I actually think that those movies are, are the racial politics of the alien movies. You know, Yafit Kodo's in the first one. Yep. Yes, he works down below with Harry Dean Stanton. Yes. It's a crew of six people in a movie made in 1979. <laughs> He's not the lowest guy I on the I never thought of that. Yeah. And he is – there is a black guy in space. I mean – he, that was before Empire Strikes Back. I don't know mm. how many black guys you've seen in space before Yafit Koto's character. In, Not many. You know the the the, the, the Star Trek. The, no, absolutely, yeah. Uhuru. But the the the, the number of Afro Galactic characters has clearly. Uh, 
you know, increased uh, recently. And then you've got Sergeant A. Pone, who's the sergeant in Aliens, as well as uh, one or two of the Colonial Marines are black. He you might get killed first. Napone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Napone is one of the first yeah, ones Yeah, Napone is definitely one of the first and ones And also killed. the dude who, I think the dude who they end up giving all, and they have to take the, uh, they have to take their ammo out and they give it to a dude and the dude who's holding it, he dies pretty quickly too. And but Vasquez does, you know, I mean, we don't have, like there's a not, G many, too. Yeah, not many Puerto Ricans in space. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so she I'm to and, and of course she's played by a Jewish woman. Is she really? Yeah, she's played by the woman who's in Terminator 2 who plays Eddie Furlong's adopted mother in Terminator 2. Who gets like the the knife to the yeah the knife get through the, the eye fuck out of yeah, here? Jeanette like Goldstein, I think her name is. She played Vasquez. Wow. Um, but uh, hey, you know Vasquez is a. I'm assuming she's Puerto Rican. She could be Mexican. She could be Colombian. But um, you know, uh, I do think the Alien franchise, and then you have Charles Dutton's character. Oh, let's not talk about that because he was definitely magical Negro. He definitely said, "Go on ahead, Sigourney right. Weaver, oh, so right. I can at fight end, this alien." That's true. That's hand true. to hand. That's true. So the white woman can. Although escape. I definitely do. Uh, in that sense, you're right. Although he is the leader of the prison of the pr- well, you know, the whole movie set in a prison. <laughs> and everyone, the black guys every, in the prison. Everyone is a prisoner except for Sigourney <laughs> Weaver. See, some of those arguments, like hold, hold on, Ben, you complain when there's not. Black people in That's movies. what I'm saying. And like, then they go ahead. These generous white folks put some black people in a prison in a movie, and now you, man, I can't fucking can't win with win. you. Well, like I wanted to go back to you were complaining about on on Game of Thrones. The only two black guys are a of uh, a pirate, and the other guy fucking becomes king of Carth. It's the greatest city that ever was. He's and a ever thief will. and a liar. He's a convict, <laughs> but he's a thief and a liar. He's clearly a better human being than half the other kings. Who's a better man, him or Joffrey? You know, him or even Stannis? Like, everyone, I mean, uh, I, I feel know. like it's that a, guy, a he's a con one. artist. I definitely agree, but I feel like, you know, how, which characters could be black? I think Sir Davo Seaworth could be a black guy. The the guy who's uh, Stannis' assistant mm-hmm. who who then got you know was on the rock and they yep. found him yeah that guy could be a black guy Bronn who plays um, Tyrion's man at arms that guy could be a black, black guy. guy but part of the problem is you have these families and, and any family yeah. from the north I just it wouldn't make sense, sense to be north we think of Vikings we think of Norwegians you know now any of the southern people could probably be black and they they actually show them those people are of color but they're not you know what we they're not black but you know the the dude who taught aria the her sword guy he's a he was of some sort of yeah exactly olive skin right so i i do think that on you know on game of thrones also you're dealing with these families so like they can't have you know, Ned Stark can't be. If Ned Stark is black, all of the Stark children have to be black. black. Yeah, it, yeah, Game of Thrones. I'm not so worried. You know, it's like I get it. You but know? you know, the, no. But I, I noticed these things, and I noticed them as kids, and you know, as when I was a kid. Um, and then you have these issues, like I don't know, is Chewbacca a black man? Does he stand oh, in as a, for a black man? You know, at wow. least he doesn't die. The fact that they don't give him an award is fucking bullshit. But you, you know, know, and I've had this argument with people before because they've told me that. If I see myself in Jar Jar Binks, then it's my problem. Oh, uh, no. I like, mean, if, the Jar Jar if, Binks if, if is Jar Jar, if I If I actually think of Jar Jar Binks as representing black people, then that's my Jar Jar, problem. Jar Jar Binks represents Happy Meal toys. Yeah, he doesn't, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't I, fucking I, represent a race. He no, represents there's, dollars. There's a, there's a step in fetch it, Mantan, <laughs> right. Moreland element. No, I, no, of his whole, me so scared. You know, I mean, that's like straight out of a fucking 30s Charlie Chan movie. Right. I mean, it's really... 
George R. Binks is 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 a stain. There's, I mean, you know, like a stain on the Star Wars franchise. You know, that's a good question for our listeners. I was going to ask our listeners a different question this week. I was going to ask. Well, actually, I'll ask both of them. Mm, I got one for them. Okay, then we'll have three questions for our listeners this week. But the first one, going off that topic, is is George Lucas a racist? You know, it's you know, everyone is a racist on some level. But is he just a ridiculous racist? I don't think he's a ridiculous well, uh, racist. Wait, didn't didn't wasn't he involved in? All... Uh, he just made red tails. Yeah, see, see. Which, well, <laughs> wait. So, so wait. I just want to tell you something. You wait, wait, wait. Tails. I just want to tell you something. Wait, wait, wait. So, so two things about red tails. I was very disappointed with red tails, and I had I had higher <laughs> expectations for the movie. <laughs> However, my grandfather was in fact a bomber. In World War in World War Two, and when he told me about the Red Tails, and he said everyone wanted to fly with them, all the bomb, mm. I didn't believe him. I actually thought he was doing some politically correct, <laughs> you know, like oh, I might have been a racist in the past type of thing. <laughs> but they actually show in the movie, yep. like the shit that my grandfather told me is actually shown mm-hmm. in the movie, where originally the fighter escorts would follow the German fighters and yep. leave the bombers unprotected, and the Red Tails, who were all the black pilots, didn't do that. Yep. And so the bomber guys were totally psyched yeah. to have the red tails, but I didn't really realize. I kind of thought my grandfather was being like politically correct, and 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 that is actually true. Mm. And I'm all about showing. I mean, like, I, you know, I I just think. I mean, black people really contributed in World War II, and the miracle of Santa Ana is hit and miss the Spike Lee World War II movie, but I'm really glad it was made. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm I'm glad you know, both Miracle Santa Anna and, and and Red Tails are not perfect World War II movie. They both have problems. Major problem with Red Tails is you could tell it was supposed to be a lot longer. Like the kid who plays Michael from The Wire has a whole storyline where he gets captured and it's clearly cut out of the movie. And so yep. it doesn't make sense when he's rescued. And there's some, like, archetypal characters that, like, you've seen before. You know, there's the mama's boy and the church guy and the this and the guy's got the drinking problem. But that said, I actually think, you know, more people should have seen Red Tails. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't think Red Tails was terrible by any means. I still don't think that it makes I mean, didn't up... he marry a black woman, too? Isn't George Lucas's wife oh, black? Oh, God, come but, on. That's not... Yeah, I, But I, I'm saying he made a movie, you know, highlighting the, the, the I, you know... I uh, mean, and he put in Lando Calrissian, a smuggler, and, you know... But so is Han Solo's a smuggler too, and Lando Calrissian is, if anything, a slicker version of you Han know, Solo. True, indeed. I mean, it's clear that Han Solo is worried that Leia's gonna, you know, run off, go, with go for Lando. Slow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I mean, and I feel like Colt forty five never fails. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I don't, I mean, what other examples of you know he did this movie, you know, American Graffiti, which certainly is about like the. Well, I, let, let's leave this question to the audience: Is George Bush? No, I mean, George Lucas. Lucas. We, we already, know we already George, have the answer. We already have the answer to George yeah, Bush. George, George so it's George uh, Lucas. Bo- both yeah. of them. <laughs> Kanye kind of said it best, I, <laughs> yeah. do, I do believe. And Matt, what is your question for the fan bros? Uh, we were talking about space a lot this episode. I want to know, do you believe in aliens? If so, let's hear some compelling evidence as to why you fucked with aliens. Hmm. The universe is too I, fucking I, I bet big. You, I bet you Ben believes in aliens, so I don't even want to hear his opinion on it. And we know Chico does, so we'll yeah. leave this one out to the fans All and right. see what yeah. you think. You can hit us at Show or at the email at show at gmail. And Fanbros, I cannot end this episode. I mean, we still have a lot more to talk about, but I cannot end without mentioning the biggest news of the week. Wesley Snipes is now a free man. 
And we can no longer mm. scream free Wesley Snipes. Thank you. Well, Let's applaud no, this moment. We can. We can. We can. He's free from from jail after th- uh, a lengthy stay, three years, mm. for uh, basically tax evasion. I was just listening to a clip song today where they told in the song they said we told Wesley Snipes to bounce at the Grammys and he didn't listen, and now he's locked up. But, but, but yeah, he, so he's home. But he really is home. He's on house arrest yes. until I want to say July. July nineteenth, I think. You, Wesley Snipes will finally be free of his obligation to the court system. Now, do people know that Wesley Snipes was actually up for the role of Jordy LaForge on Star Trek The Next I Generation? I fucking had no idea. And how different would the world be if, <laughs> oh if Wesley Snipes God. played Jordy LaForge <laughs> and LeVar Burton didn't? Because oh. one of the crazy things is all the great Wesley Snipes <laughs> movies came out while Star Trek The Next yeah, Generation definitely. was on. So he would not have been, been able it, to do New it, Jack City. Wow. He would not have been able to do White Man Can't Jump. He wouldn't have been able to so do... So what if Jordy LaForge played Nino Brown? Right. LaVar <laughs> Burton is Nino Brown. There is a universe somewhere where that happened. And in that universe, crack cocaine never took off. <laughs> you know what I mean? People were trying crack cocaine and being like, nah, this isn't good. That reading rainbow yeah, guy was trying to sell this exactly. to me. Exactly. <laughs> it's not working. Although I don't want to front on, on Jordy LaForge because he is kind of dope. Okay. We just got uh, we just got hushed. Yeah, just we did. Um, so uh, Wesley Snipes is uh, very important to uh, at least '90s movies, genre movies. He's definitely been uh, in at least one great movie of almost every genre, be it science fiction, be it crime, be it you know drug uh, dealing. Yeah, I mean, and he's played both cops and drug dealers. Mm. Um, I actually Sugar Hill is not a bad movie. Uh, but it's no, it's no, you know, I mean, it's, a it's, it's, it's no money train. Oh, see, I actually hated money train. Money train. <laughs> money really train is a sleeper off. pick. Yeah. The I, perfect crime. I could, a train full of money. I know. Wesley I know, Snipes man. with the itinerary. And, and Woody Harrelson. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I mean, if we're going to talk about the top five Wesley Snipes movies, I'm going to go with, uh, certainly King of New York. He's not the lead in there, mm. but that movie has one of the best casts of all time. Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken, Wesley Snipes. Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne, Steve Buscemi, mm. um, that redheaded dude from NYPD Blue who's now on CSI Miami. Who puts his sunglasses on. Yeah, and that's all he does. Um, I think he takes them off. I'm yeah. not sure. It's I think just, it's a takeoff. That's off, his yeah. thing, yeah. Wow. Um, you know, I'm going to go with King of New York, uh, Abel Ferrara. I mean, that's a fantastic movie. What are your other four favorite Wesley movies? You know, I'm going to, I got to put New Jack City on of there. Course. I mean, that's, that, that is the classic, like, urban gangster movie. Um, Boy. yeah, I mean, and that also has a really great cast. Yes. Um, Demolition you know, Man. I really like Demolition Man. I think. Can't go wrong with no, it. No, Demolition Man is smart and funny. And with good action Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, um, I mean, Wesley Snipes has probably been in more good movies than Sylvester Stallone has. Um, Uh, That's a tough one. Would you say he's also been in more good movies than bad? No. I would say both of them have been in more bad (laughs) movies than than good. good. (laughs) But even then, I mean, I feel like, you know, like Murder at 1600, I didn't see U.S. Marshals. Like, these are probably not bad movies. U.S. Marshals are right. Yeah, it's all right. For being a dumb Uh, sequel. No, the the ones that you you don't want to see with Wesley Snipes, though, no one has seen. I mean, like The the Shooter or or The Con. Right, right, right. All these ones that he did in, like, Bulgaria and all these spots. Right, 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 right. No, (laughs) no, I agree. Miss them. I mean, if they can't get money from a uh, U.S.-based production (laughs) company... 
And uh, I give anyone props. I give Woody Allen. I give anyone props who's going to go and do a whole movie and drag. I did not see the Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. I mean, I'm skipping that one too. Yeah, but I, I don't give, give them, them props for that. I, one. I, I do give them props for that. Um, you know, I don't know how I ended up seeing Priscilla Queen of the Desert, but I didn't see the Wong Fu. But you know, um, I mean, Priscilla Queen of the Desert has the the villain from the Matrix is the lead transvestite in that. Um, do, do you think he, now that he's home, he might be in the next Expendables movie? Well, so, wow. so he couldn't be in the Expendables b- right. because of his tax situation. Right. They wouldn't let him leave the country. Right. So, so they had the Terry Crews character right. written in, and they said that that was going to possibly be maybe his cousin or his brother. Well, oh, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I started to watch the Expendables, and Dolph Lundgren's plastic surgery was so bad that I literally stopped watching it like five minutes in. <laughs> So I know if that sounds like a bitch move, I don't, I don't know what to tell uh, you. Like, no, you know. I, I mean, I've seen both of them, and they're, they're yeah, they're bad. I mean, I, I happen to re- – <laughs> I can't remember if I ever saw the third Blade movie, but I actually the, no. really like the first two Blade the, movies. The first two are great. Yeah. The third one is garbage for a number of reasons. I mean, he actually, I believe, sued New Line. Yeah, because he's, he's barely in it. Right, or... which was a big – I mean, they were trying to spin it off into like a next generation right, kind yeah, of a right. thing. But besides that, he didn't get enough screen time. It was terrible. They had them doing like all these these wrestling moves. Right. They they did have a cool camera effect, I think, in that one though. Wasn't that the one where they would show like the bone snapping effects? Basically, I think so. They would yeah. go to like X ray Kevin. Which they Wear did mode. in the video game later on. Yep. Yeah, I think they did that. <laughs> Kevin Wear mode. I think oh. they did that first before I mean, that other movie that that did the same shit. Like uh, maybe like Romeo Must Die or some other movie ripped that effect off. Mm. I gotta say, I think, I think Blade up. Two might actually be Guillermo del Toro's it best is. movie. It, well, I don't know if it's his best movie. You know, um, I mean, I, I really did like the one that's in the, the Pan's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yeah, and I did like, I liked Mimic, but Hellboy? it's like if you grow. Oh, Hellboy's good. Yeah, I okay, love Hellboy. I forgot Hellboy. Hellboy yeah. is good. Hellboy's yeah, okay. Although I don't know, is Hellboy better than Blade Two? I don't know. I That's mean, a tough one because Blade Two is a really yeah, good, Blade and really good. underrated movie. It too. is. Yeah, a lot of people don't really appreciate how good Blade Two is. So we got the Blade movie, uh, Demolition Man, King of New York, New Jack City. Now I feel like then you're the the for number five. I feel like you could put Jungle Fever, you could put White Men Can't Jump, and I actually saw it in Major League in the theaters. Mm. And I remember Major really League's a classic. It. Major League's great. So yeah. I feel like any of those could be stand in for Wesley Snipes. Yeah, Willie Mays Hayes. Willie Mays Hayes. Come exactly. on. Um, he was replaced truly in the sequel by Omar Epps, too. Ooh, and it was a no, downgrade. Yeah. yeah, it was not a good look. Omar, you're no Wesley Snipes. But interestingly, every movie that we mentioned, with the exception of Blade, was made during the run of Star Trek The Next Generation. And had Wesley Snipes <laughs> gotten the role of Geordie LaForge, you know, how different would, would the landscape be, you know? Um, the world will never know. Yeah. So, you know... Um, and uh, I don't know. We we had a lot of other stuff to talk about. I don't know if you want to talk about. You know, last week uh, Roger Ebert died. Carmine Infantino died. Yeah, we we had a couple of deaths this week in the world of fandom, and I think we do need to pay at least a tribute or a little respect. First of all, Carmen, Carmine Carmine Infantino. Infantino. He created the Flash. He created Barbara Gordon's Batgirl. I mean, he created numerous other characters. He was an important editor behind the scenes at DC Comics, who gave a lot of like a lot, a lot, a lot of important people. In the later Silver Age, early Bronze Age, their first work, um, he created a look. I mean, and and frankly, in in the in the fifties, when he did the Flash, when he because re- he created the Silver Age Flash, which was Barry Allen, as opposed mm-hmm. to Jay Garrick, who was the Golden Age Flash. 
at that point, superheroes were dead. There were no superhero comics. All comics were like Western or horror or sci-fi or, believe it or not, romance comics were a really big genre. And he single-handedly, with the with that uh, Flash character, brought back superheroes. I so, mean, Batman and Superman were being published, okay. but it was like the stupid Batman with like yeah. Bat Ace the Bat Hound yep. and all the like funny, stupid, you know, mm-hmm. whatever stuff. It was before the Dark Knight. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously this is sixty. So, yeah. yeah, and so you know, um, it really uh, he. I mean, there wouldn't be modern comic books would not exist. There would not be. An Ultron, you know. Wow. And he actually did do a run on the Avengers, I believe. Mm. Um, he went back and forth. A lot of these guys went back and forth between DC and Marvel. He also brought um, Jack Kirby from Marvel back to DC in the 70s when Jack Kirby did all the Fourth World stuff and OMAC and Commandy. So he, you know, he was, uh, you know, a top 10 most important people in, in the 20th century in comic books. And he just died, and he was going to conventions up to, like, 10 years ago. And, um, you know, uh, rest in peace, Carmine Infantino. And also this week, we lost Roger Ebert. Same day. Damn. I mean, like, I don't really think Roger Ebert needs much of an introduction. Yeah, I mean, it's... But Roger Ebert saw such a great second act in his career. I mean, he was somebody who was already so prominent and so legendary. Yes. It's amazing for what is effectively an old-ass dude to have mastered the internet in yes. the way that he yeah. did. His Twitter account was crazy. Like, he, I mean, and actually, it's, it's sad because you clearly he had, if you saw that last letter they put oh, out. Oh, man, it was horrible. Had a lot of plans that yeah. they wanted to get popping. I mean, I'm sure those were somewhat spurred on by his health. But, but it felt like he wrote that letter like right. the day before he died. Right, and, and I mean, this, this idea he had, had an aspiration to only, you know, review the movies he, he wanted to review one day. Mm-hmm. And, so. he, and they say that he still, he was reviewing movies up until his death, so there's still going to be like four or five more uh, reviews coming out from him. Yeah, there was something that came out this week. I mean, a review of Roger of, of the weekend, yeah, yeah, of the of this weekend's well, films, like, so. maybe Evil Dead or something. <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, yep, definitely. <clears throat> so, let me just say one thing. Um, I don't know if you know the whole story with his cancer. Um, he gave a really bad review to Brown Bunny, which was a movie <laughs> yep. by uh, Vincent Gallo at the Cannes Film Festival, and he uh, there was a war of words between them. And I know I remember Vincent Gallo. Uh, his the best cut that he got in on Ebert was that Roger Ebert had the physique of a slave trader, and uh, Ebert oh, responded that I may be fat, but I'll you know uh, Vincent Gallo will always be the director of the Brown Bunny. I was at that screening at the Cannes Film Festival, and it was a pretty extraordinary event because it was just literally people shouting at each other in French. People were walking out. I was sitting on an aisle, and not not two minutes went by where there wasn't like five people walking out right by wow. me. And I don't know Something if anyone's blue. seen Brown Bunny, but not no. a whole Super lot. Ha- nothing happens for two hours, and then Chloe Grapes. Sevigny sucks um, Vincent Gallo's dick. So what do you mean nothing happens before that? He's driving across the country, and most of the movie, the camera's over his shoulder looking out the windshield. And like, so he'll just be driving, and then he'll change the radio station. Then he'll stop at like a motel, go into a mo- go into like the the you know waiting area or whatever, put some money in in the vending machine and a coke will come out and like literally like the whole audience would applaud because it's the first time anything has happened in 20 minutes he occasionally will stop and talk to women along the way and then have sex with them and li- literally like nothing happens and chloe sevigny's uh or however you say her name her representation dropped her the next day because she actually yeah, sucked his penis on, on screen yeah. um which i you know again i give her props for the balls for why, that. Why, why did they drop her she didn't swallow you know, uh, 
it's, it's <laughs> I, I have a lot of responses to that, but uh, <laughs> you know, I don't believe we saw her swallow. Uh, that that is that is in fact the case. You think but, he just wrote that movie so he could get blown by Chloe Sevigny? Oh, on he, camera, he's <laughs> already getting blown by her. Yeah, oh, they were yeah. dating, so I think he wrote it in. But basically, there's a flashback scene where Vincent Gallo remembers himself riding a bike with Chloe Sevigny. And there's a scene in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid where, like, Paul Newman is riding a bike with Catherine Ross, the female lead in that. And the song Raindrops Keeps Falling on My Head by B.J. Thomas came on. So in the screening, Ebert starts singing really loudly, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. And that was just one of the things that was going on in the in the uh, in in the screening. So basically, Robert Ebert, gave, Roger Ebert, gave no fucks. Yeah, he gave no fucks whatsoever. Nice. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's, like, he's his like brother Robert Ebert. Fucking loved that <laughs> right. movie. Season <laughs> season three. He's like the season three Rick. Like Rick in, in in Walking Dead in season one gives a couple of fucks. Yeah. In season two, he's just got one fuck, fuck. left to give. And <laughs> in season, season three, three Rick Michonne, does not, I'll trade you all. gives Whatever. no fucks whatsoever, and that's definitely Roger Ebert. Okay, well, let's give a quick moment of silence to these two greats we lost this week. Thank you very much. And I guess that's it for this week's episode of Fan Bros. Yeah, so wh- what are the questions that we have for the uh, the listeners again? Oh, yes, we have... Do you believe in aliens? Well, uh, Yeah, I'm going to refine that. What, what kind of aliens do you believe in, if so? And is George Lucas a raging racist? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna ask. You got to give some some back up something with the George Lucas thing because I'm not convinced. Um, you know, a raging racist. Yeah, raging. A, I'm pretty, not. I'm just saying a little I racist. See, I'm I feel a like raging. everyone is a little racist. But like, that's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm asking know, the fans: Is he a raging racist? You know, he grew up in Modesto, California, Could, in the '50s, and I just feel like you know, I I don't know. I mean, there's a certain things from your experience. I mean, I, I you know, I, I definitely would welcome anyone's. Um, Thoughts and opinions. Uh, yeah, on this. definitely f- hear anyone's opinions, but I feel like you got to back it up if you're going to say he's a raging racist. Well, back it uh, up. Uh, fans, uh, right? are, are you a person of color that has been mistreated personally by George Lucas? <laughs> yes. If, if so, so, you must contact us. Right. It's imperative. Absolutely. You can hit us. We, we are having a class action lawsuit. <laughs> no, no, known racist. <laughs> no, jo- okay. no, 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 no. Easy right. there. We if might we get want to more sh- people. We might. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, we might want them on the show one day. So anyway, contact us at fanbroshow at gmail.com and also fanbroshow at Twitter. You can now find us. We're up. Do we ever hear from Chris Robinson ever again? Actually, yeah. He said thanks for the shout out on the show last week. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Anything less? Mass promotion? We're up on iTunes now. We're up on iTunes. You can find us on iTunes. Fan Bros. F-A-N-P-R-O-S. Fan Bros. F-A-N-P-R-O-S.